Well, hey, friends, welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. I'm Elisa Keaton, and we are coming your way. I, I'm coming your way. Florida, Tallahassee, I'm coming for you. August 5th through 6th, Rev on the Road is happening in Tallahassee, Florida. Rev on the Road is a two-day wellness event for your mind, body, and spirit where I promise you, you will find contagious joy, freedom, and confetti in random places. Like, just saying, just saying. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come, let us throw a party concerning you and the good, good God who made you. Two days of all things Rev. Renewing your mind, moving your body in a joyful community. And this is for everybody. We make sure if you can breathe and just sit in a chair, we're going to make sure that you encounter the Lord with your breath and your mind and your soul. It's a taste and see thing. You do have to come experience it. So Florida, I'm headed your way. You are going to round out my, my summer plans by coming to Rev on the Road. I sure hope so. Swipe up on the show notes, hit the show link. That's there for Rev on the Road. And register today and tell a friend. Space is limited. And I have a good feeling about this one that it's going to fill up. So don't delay. Get your Rev on the Road tickets today. All right. Today, we are bringing to you Dr. Kyle Gillette. Dr. Kyle Gillette is a holistic full-spectrum medicine provider. He has a practice in Kansas City, Kansas, and he provides preventive medicine, sports medicine, hormone optimization, obstetrics. That's a hard one to say. (laughs) He believes that each human is a unique creation that requires attention to their body, mind, soul to achieve optimal health. So he's a functional medicine doctor. He describes six pillars of health, exercise, diet, sleep, stress, sunlight, and spirit. He's going to talk about those with us today. He's a new find and a new friend to the house. Uh, Podcast producer Cindy found him. He was on the Huberman podcast, which I'm a big Huberman podcast listener and fan. And we're going to get well-educated today in some science of functional medicine He does say this one line that I thought, oh, this is so good when it comes to exercise. He basically says, find a movement pastime to last a lifetime. Well, if that ain't a sticky statement right there, that's what exercise is, finding a movement pastime that you can do for a lifetime. So enjoy this interview. You can find out more and connect with Dr. Kyle by swiping up on the show notes. And uh, donors, thank you. Donors, you make this podcast happen. We can go and spread good news, the gospel of health, wholeness in Jesus Christ. Bless you. You guys have a fantastic day, and I will see you next week. Peace. All right, Revelation Wellness community, we have a new friend today to introduce you to. His name is Kyle, Dr. Kyle Gillette. Kyle, welcome to the Revelation Wellness podcast. Thank you, Elisa. Pleasure to be here. We are excited. Um, We have a podcast producer named Cindy, and she roams the internet looking for people who are having this dialogue about the body, uh, the science behind it, but also who is a a fellow Christian that can bring the context in in light of the worldview of a gospel as well. But we're going to get into some science today 
Um, but before we do, tell our audience a little bit about you, where you are, and kind of how you found yourself doing what you do today. I'm from Kansas City, and I'm a medical doctor. I'm an MD. And I suppose I found myself here because I got into what I call full spectrum medicine, body, mind, and soul. You can't really yeah. treat one without treating the other. Yeah. And uh, I talk about this when I do podcasts. And mm. I was uh, very fortunately invited on this one. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. How long have you been in full spectrum medicine? I graduated from the University of Kansas School of Medicine, I believe in 2017. Okay. And, and Cindy was telling me that that's one of the schools that is holistic, right? Or does look at a bigger scope of, of the body and, and maybe tell us a little bit about that study. There's a few medical schools, especially, and they tend to be in the Midwest, but they're mm. primary care focused. And of mm. those schools, some of them have interest groups. And a few of the interest groups that I was involved in was food as medicine and exercise as medicine. Mm -hmm. um, my father is also a family physician and, and he is in a faith-based, he's in a Christian group and he mm -hmm. has been for about 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of known that I wanted to practice with them as well. And that I wanted to have that rewarding patient experience. I obviously saw the high level of burnout among healthcare workers, particularly yeah. healthcare practitioners. And I noticed that the individuals in those group, uh, they tended to pray for their patients and often mm. they cared for their patients more holistically. They also yeah. happen to have a functional medicine clinic. So yeah. I've somewhat tailored my education in order to be able to practice in a similar way. And what's the best part of what you do? There's a lot of good parts. Um, I think that the, the favorite thing about my career choice is that it's a career first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And also, I just really love it. It's really a hobby. Mm -hmm. Even if awesome. I did not get paid a single cent, I would still do totally. this exact thing as much as possible. Fantastic. And I think my, my wife will probably tell anybody else that I spend uh, an uh, innumerable amount of time on this, but yeah. it's rewarding. And I, I think and hope that it helps a lot of people as well. I so love that. Like you found your, what we'd say the original design, like God created you first to be his, but then gave you this fascination of something because it's a hobby. It's not like work. Were you always interested since you were a kid? Was, did you kind of know that science and medicine was something you were going to go after? Yeah, I've probably known since I've been around 12, I was homeschooled and I have a brother who is one year older than me. Okay. He's a dentist now, but we've always been fascinated by biology. We had a very I suppose, uh, traditional education where, uh, we did a lot of action items rather than, um, doing a lot of book work. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think that that really kind of, uh, paved my way into getting into something like this. So you have a philosophy that health is centered on six pillars, exercise, diet, sleep, stress, sunlight, and spirit. Let's do a flyby of those because yes, 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 yes. And I love it because our community would be very familiar with most of these, but let's hear it from the doctor's point of view. Now, so um, these different pillars of health, uh, and this is true, I say they are more powerful than any medication or supplement. So there's all these different yeah. debates about, well, should you do this and should you do this? And then someone will say, well, you just need to look at this one biomarker or just do this mm. one supplement, whatever it is. Mm. But those are just tools in order to um, 
help the lifestyle measures that you've already implemented. And the six pillars is an easy way with alliteration yeah. for the last four to remember these. So um, a, a brief overview, Yeah, diet is highly individualized and depending on your genetics and epigenetics and health history and such and different conditions that you might have, or even mm -hmm. just what you like. Mm -hmm. um, there is no perfect diet for anyone. Yeah, right. So uh, that's a very highly individualized pillar and perhaps diet and exercise are the most important. Exercise, that's a combination of cardiovascular exercise and also anaerobic exercise as well to keep your metabolism up and also for health reasons. Mm -hmm. And you have the four S's, sunlight, that's being outside. It encompasses hot and cold exposure, mm -hmm. stress. This also includes um, social health. So the health of your family or even your roommates, whoever you live with, mm -hmm. your close friends and family or tribe, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then you have... Um, spiritual health as well, or spirit. Mm -hmm. That's another important aspect too. Mm -hmm. What do you think if you were to look at those six pillars? I know it's like trying to pick which one, but which one do you see as maybe the crisis right now or the one that inflames to the top right, right now? Uh, that, that's pretty hard to pick. Uh -huh. um, I, if I had to pick one thing that... Um, Right now, in the last 50 years, humans are doing a lot less. Okay. I would actually pick exercise or movement. Wow. So okay. um, humans are relatively spiritual, and we always have been. Even mm -hmm. humans who um, do not believe in a de deity, um, yep. many of them yep. are, are very, very spiritual, or at least they have yeah. something where they explain their self-actualization on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. Um, you could also pick sunlight or being outside. Um, I think that we are created to be outside often. And there's yeah. many humans who are almost never outside. And of course, sometimes it's very difficult because people live in polluted areas or people live in very densely packed cities more often. Yeah. But if I had to pick one, I would pick exercise. Um, if you just look at transportation over time, um, I think that becomes apparent. I'm I'm actually trying to get back to your Instagram page because I was there earlier today. <laughs> Let and then I learned a new word from you today, Kyle. Which darn it, I can't find it. But you're going to tell me. You you made a post about you know our, our food and the people that come about CICO hashtag CICO calories in calories out. And you said brace yourself, everyone. The type of what is the name of those people? You call them something. Yeah, I call them C I call them CICO bros. CICO bros. <laughs> yeah, CICO. <laughs> Yeah. Calories in, calories out, people. What What do you have to say to the people who are like really still holding on to that? Yeah, um, it, it's almost like you're looking at uh, an individual, and there's all these different confounding variables at play, and you try to sum up everything into just saying. Well, if you want to lose weight and as background, I'm a board certified in obesity medicine, okay. and that's a large portion of my practice. And I mm -hmm. work closely with counselors and dietitians, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and people will sum an entire, not only uh, the weight and height of someone and their BMI, mm -hmm. they will sum it up just due to numbers and they'll look at it hyper analytically. And I am a hyper analytical person. Mm -hmm. I love numbers and I love science and I love evidence but then they will just look at it almost like a physics problem. Mm. And that is harmful to people in Come the on. same way that um, uh, on, there's kind of an opposite end of the mo movement as well. 
where it can be harmful to say, um, like numbers don't matter at all. So right. numbers do matter, but numbers are not everything. It's yeah. So if you have someone coming in to see you and, and you know that their diet is a concern and they are just really like, all I've known is counting my calories, logging things. What do you, what's something you would encourage them to do to, to shift a perspective? How should they look at food? What could they put their finger on that can move it in the right direction? And of course, a lot of this comes down to the individual as well, but I have five or six categories on my nutrition prescription. Okay. So I write up a prescription and counting calories could be one thing. Some people do well, especially in the short term counting mm. calories. It's very mm -hmm. time consuming. Some people do well counting macronutrients. I'm not totally against that. Some people do well counting carbs as well, but often they just kind of forget that uh, when you go on a low carb diet, you become glycogen depleted. So you very quickly mm -hmm. lose, you know, five or 10 pounds of water weight along with that glycogen. And then they just become confused because then they think they did something wrong after they lost, lost their glycogen. Mm. Really, it's just, um, that just always happens with a low carb diet. And anybody who is a proponent of a low carb diet, occasionally mm. I do people I do have people on these diet. You should tell them that that way they know mm. what to expect. It's a That's side right. effect. That's you know, right. That is not yeah. fat loss. That is glycogen and water. Right. But anyway, not to rabbit trail too much. Um, at, those are the first two that most people think of. Eating mm -hmm. speed can be another one. I think I had another post about a turtle bite. So there's a, a study where they basically had uh, one slow bite every X number of bites. And then some people will put their um, utensil down in between every bite. I do not like that one personally. <laughs> it drives me mad. Some people love it though. So it just love comes it. down to the individual. Um, yeah. Number of meals per day is another thing that you can track. Portion size is another thing that you can track. And of course there's more as well, but you're looking at all these different tools and a lot of those tools, for example, number of meals per day, eating speed, turtle bite, um, por uh, portion size, if I haven't already said it, those can be done intuitively. So that's where intuitive eating yeah. comes into play. Um, right. it's, it's a conglomeration of the tools and the knowledge that you've learned about your body and how you interact with food not something that everybody can just jump into and it magically works. And as a doctor who includes spirit, how do, do you talk to spirit with your patients? And I know, if, let's say twofold. One, someone that you don't know where they stand on a, on a spiritual faith, but then someone that, then secondly, someone who is a follower in Christ, someone you know as a fellow Christian. Tell us what those two conversations might look like. Yeah, this is a conversation that uh, is is best usually not the very first thing that you tell a patient. Absolutely. It's right. a very personal thing. And sure. um, you kind of, you just kind of wait for it to come up naturally. Mm -hmm. For example, some patients will come in to the uh, urgent care walk-in clinic where I work from time to time. And most of the other providers, NPs and docs here are faith-based as well. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll treat the issue and nothing at all is said, you know, it's a yeah. it's an urgent care, nothing at all is said. Not that it shouldn't come up in an urgent care visit, but just it usually doesn't. Right. Sometimes a patient will say, you know, um, you know, I know this is a faith-based clinic or a Christian clinic, but thank you for not praying for me or even trying to, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, you know, it, it's just something that you feel out. Um, yeah. a, a lot of times it comes into play when you're having discussions regarding mental health. And I think it's wonderful that our culture as a whole has had a huge emphasis on, the importance of mental health and yes. the, how common different uh, psychiatric pathologies are. Yes. And that's how it usually seems to come up. 
Okay. And do you, will you pray, you'll pray with patients if they ask for it? Or, I mean, how's that, how do you, how does God put Kyle on like a glove and put him into that situation? Have there been those times, there've been a story where it's like, oh my gosh, that was only God kind of intervening in my practice right there. Yeah. Um, it really, it happens all the time. So, uh, sometimes I'll feel like I need to, and sometimes not, uh, often during end of life discussions, it comes up with many different providers, but uh, occasionally God will just do something and it's just kind of randomly meant to be. For example, yesterday, uh, I was calling back patients about a few labs and I was calling a number and I usually just say, Hey, Dr. Gillette, um, it's Dr. Gillette here. Do you have a second to chat? Uh-huh. And they said, yeah, uh, I'm surprised you called. And I guess I called the, I called the number from a different patient. Okay. Anyway, the patient said, uh, I'm so glad you called. Uh, my daughter is in the emergency room. I think she might have had a seizure. Oh, wow. I like, uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have called that patient. So um, it, it's coincidences like that can happen so often that it's yeah. almost too much to be a coincidence. Amen. That's cool. Yeah, it's so cool to be a first responder like you are. I mean, you really are helping people, uh, whether it's in an emergency situation or when they're coming in to see you, it is when someone's hurting or has like uh, something that they're looking to you to help with. I'm sure it's that delicate walk of, I need to serve this person with what they need and not necessarily (laughs) pray right now, or like you have to wait for God to really kind of move, but you clearly have a gift to, for the whole person, which is awesome. Let's talk about hormones. I've <clears throat> I've just been noticing there's a bigger conversation that's happening now. I think uh, hormones are really making a, a a front and center into the weight loss game because again, most of our audience here is uh, trying to just get stop obsessing and stop neglecting and just really get in a body and learn what is well for my body. What is a set point for my body? So mm-hmm. can we talk about hormones and maybe coming off that? that sicko cycle (laughs) that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, uh, One good way to begin the discussion is there's no perfect hormone profile for everyone, but Mm -hmm. you, you should care what your hormones are doing and know that everything you do, including those lifestyle interventions um, do Mm -hmm. affect your hormones profoundly across your life, regardless of like what stage of life you're in, I suppose. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, um, you know, they don't want to do anything with their hormones or they don't want to do anything unnatural. But even just by living a modern lifestyle, we are doing things that are affect, they will affect our hormones. And Can you go natural, into that? Like what? What in our natural day-to-day is affecting our hormones? Most common reason for hormone pathology is metabolic syndrome which uh, often is a combination of insulin resistance. It could be dietary choices. It could be lack of movement. The way I look at movement uh, is find a pastime, a movement pastime to last a lifetime. That's good. I'm going to write that down. That's going in the opening. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But as long as you're getting your heart rate up a little bit, that's going to give you probably 80% of the benefit it's the law of diminishing returns or the Pareto principle. That uh, principle is at play when it comes to movement and metabolic syndrome. So even just those tiny changes a little bit, but consistently over a long period of time will help significantly with your hormone balance as you mm. age. 
What does it do to hormones when we have a propensity or a long-lasting kind of pattern of high-intensity bodybuilding that really the, the, um, I guess it would be catabolic in terms of, and that word kind of means tearing down uh, of the systems in order to rebuild, I guess, or does it really? Because that would be more anabolic. Explain for people like that who are coming out of that high intensity, I got to burn the calories, I got to make it work for my metabolism. How does that affect the hormones and what can they do if they, how would they know there's something off? There is such a thing as overtraining if, uh, but overtraining is not necessarily the same thing as high intensity training. Okay. So the, the lower an individual's body fat and the lower their caloric intake. So often we see this in bodybuilders or individuals who do a ton of resistance training, but not much cardio, Mm -hmm. partly due to the fact that there's a difference between caloric density of foods and nutrient density. Yes. And um, this this used to be even worse 10 or 20 years ago, but now lots of different individuals have um, talked about the importance of nutrient-dense foods, especially if you're on a, uh, if you're trying to cut down, which often like bodybuilders and resistance trainers do because they want to make a weight category. That's a whole nother discussion. You know, we could probably talk about rest. I've, I've come off the show. I've done yeah. the circuit back in the day. So yes, I've, that is a show. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, you're thinking about nutrient density. So often if you're not getting enough nutrients like selenium, then you're going to be more at risk of thyroid pathology and uh, thyroid pathology and sex hormones. So estrogen, androgen, and progestogen, those things go hand in hand Mm. because they, uh, your level of free hormones of both of those affect each other. For example, mm-hmm. if you start a thyroid hormone medication, that's mm-hmm. going to affect your estrogens and androgens. Mm-hmm. And if you start an estrogen or an androgen, that's going to affect your free thyroid hormones. Mm. So someone that, how would someone know if they've uh, are in a, you know, have overtrained and their hormones are, are just angry fighting against them? There's a couple of ways to tell. Um, some people are great with having biofeedback and mm-hmm. they can tell not everybody mm-hmm. is that way. I tend to not be that way. And if you're not, then you need objective data. So whether that's wearables or whether that's lab tests, mm-hmm. um, or even just like how your mic- gut microbiome is doing, all of mm-hmm. those things can give you a good idea of, um, how much you're able to tolerate. What happens to the hormones when we uh, go through cycles of dieting restriction, and then like blow in the diet. Let's talk a little bit about leptin, ghrelin, give them that, that talk. That'd be great. So leptin is a hormone that uh, it is where your fat cells or adipose is talking to your brain. Mm-hmm. And it changes very quickly when you go on a diet. Um, mm-hmm. often it can increase after the intake of calories and then suppress the appetite. Leptin is mm-hmm. also interesting because during adolescence, it has a lot to do with starting the hormones that come from the glands in the brain, like the hypothalamus mm-hmm. to kickstart puberty for adolescence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one reason why individuals with um, higher body fats or more mm-hmm. adipose cells before puberty tend to go into puberty earlier. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, you can also become leptin resistant, just like you become insulin resistant. Yeah. Some individuals 
will have high leptin, but still have very dysregulated appetites. And there's many things that you can do for this. For example, you can control your triglyceride levels, which is the level of fat in your blood. Yeah. And it can help with the level of leptin resistance. But just like your gut talks to your brain and yeah. sends it signals, your adipose cells, which is your fat cells, also talks to the brain. It's crazy. And so when someone diets excessively, does it stop, like, do the, the leptin will stop talking? I mean, what happens in terms of the communication of not knowing hunger? We suppress it. What, what, what is that? What happens? It kind of depends. Some individuals, it's very difficult for them to get leptin resistant. And some mm. of them, it's very easy. Um, mm. Part of this, and this is part of how a body has a set point. So people might have heard yeah. the term like a body weight set point or body yeah. fat set point. Yeah. And this is part of it it's kind of a moving target over time. So for some individuals, if you stay at the same weight for six months, you might get used to or accustomed to this weight. And it's really just how your fat cells are talking to your brain, how mm -hmm. your gut is talking to your brain, mm -hmm. and also how your um, gonads are talking to the brain as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so crazy. So our body really is communicating. Like it's so much smarter. If someone was to say to you that that our bodies are intelligent or that we, have, that our bodies can talk to our brains. What proof do we have of that? What do you know about how the body does talk to the brain? What proof? I think a lot of that proof is just seen in the correlation and causation of what hormones can do mm. in the body. So hormones um, at the very base level, they're signaling molecules. Mm -hmm. There's endocrine hormones. People may have heard of endocrine or endocrinology. Endocrine mm -hmm. is how different systems talk to each other. There's mm -hmm. also paracrine and autocrine, which is where the same system that's very close or even itself talks to itself. Wow. So I think just the, the, the knowledge about how important hormones are, both mm -hmm. sterile hormones like estrogen, mm -hmm. androgen, progesterone, and also peptide hormones like insulin and growth hormone. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, that is more than enough evidence. Yeah, right. So someone who thinks that perhaps their hormones are off, would you suggest they go get actual testing, right? Like a blood work done, a, a panel, anything else that's specific to hormone testing? If they have uh, issues with their gut or abdomen, then they might consider also getting microbiome testing. That's yeah. where a lot of hormones are metabolized. Yes. There's an enzyme okay. called the glucuronidase. Okay. That can kind of like target different hormones for digestion. Yeah. yeah. And depending on like what strains of bacteria you have or how that enzyme is working, there's various things that we can do that are pretty natural to help with balance. And our bodies are, are sometimes it just seems so complicated where I think I just, this is where sometimes for us, for people of faith is, okay, God, if I try to fix everything in my body, it's almost overwhelming or try to get so focused on what might be going wrong. I just get stressed out, right? People then perpetuate this almost not hypochondriac, but we're constantly trying to think of how can I be healthier or better? I've seen some things going around in social media now where people are hyper-focused on their wellness, hyper-focused on yep. having the perfect gut, having the perfect hormones. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's what the Bible called idolatry. We're lifting this yeah. thing up now. If I can, I'm going to live to be 180. I'm like, really? <laughs> it seems like a lot of work. So I just think it's so fascinating that there's, it's amazing and marvelous, but we have to really hold this tension well. Otherwise, we just get obsessed with what it is our body can do or 
or shouldn't do. Do you see people come to you often who have uh, disordered eating or eating disorders? What kind of conversation do you have with them? Yeah, very common to see people with disordered eating. There's mm. a, a, a spectrum, if you will, of disordered eating. So it's not just the classical eating disorders that you right. see people with. Um, if you look at individuals who have done bodybuilding or just anything where they need to alter their body weight to get to a number, they have a way higher incidence of diagnosable eating disorders. But mm. there's also disordered eating, just like there's things like adrenal fatigue that are not codes yet. Yeah. Um, they have not been codified. There's also uh, disorder eating types. For example, uh, some people are familiar with orthorexia, which is yeah. like a Explain that be, being obsessed with eating extremely healthy and being yeah. afraid that everything is unhealthy. So if you yeah. Google X food unhealthy, you will find uh, dozens of bad things about it. Yeah. But um, so that can kind of lead to that orthorexia. But like you were talking about earlier, you can have that intellectualized living where you yeah. almost know so much that everything you do is unhealthy. So every yeah. single product you put on your skin, yeah. you have an orthorexia type mentality when yeah. you do that as well. And it's like, wow. well, I have to bring my Berkey filter everywhere and yeah. uh, like uh, no unopposed, <laughs> like no sugar ever. So uh, they're kind of the same, just ones with eating and ones with other areas of your life. Wow. So true. It's so true how we can make good things, the God thing or like, okay, this is the thing that I'm going to focus my attention on. And meanwhile, I'm not living a life, <laughs> like get out and live the life. This is where I think it's wonderful and yet kind of tragic. Like, we're going somewhere. This life is, is, is fleeting. So let's care for it while we have it, but then it, it's not going to last forever. You have, uh, you talk about food as medicine. Give our, give our listeners a little pep talk on food as medicine. Food is the ultimate medicine. Go. If you're trying to cure a pathology, then food is often the go-to. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons why I work with dietitians quite often, but, mm -hmm. um, there's a certain, it, it is, it's almost relieving to know that you don't have to take a medication or a supplement. Medications and supplements are pretty much the same thing. One is prescribed, one's not, one's mm. usually more natural, one's usually mm. less natural. Mm. And food is kind of the same. So you can alter what you eat as a uh, alternative and as a complement to medicine. Mm. How do you approach your lifestyle of food as medicine? Do you test to see if you have any intolerances or do you just pay attention to how your body's responding to something? How do you, how do you address food as medicine in your own personal life? I usually, uh, I don't personally test to see like what I'm able to, I don't test my IgE mm -hmm. or IgG antibodies to various mm -hmm. foods. Sometimes situationally that could be helpful. More often, testing for things like celiac disease and celiac mm -hmm. antibodies is more helpful. Okay. And uh, occasionally, just getting a good baseline microbiome to see how you're digesting foods mm -hmm. or even getting your digestive enzymes, liver enzymes, your cholesterol that mm -hmm. is somewhat related to diet as well. So mm -hmm. that's how I see, uh, like with myself and also with people in general, how they can um, individualize their self medicating with food. Do you have foods that you know for you, like just don't agree or, or, I mean, are you, are you stay curious about the foods that you eat trying to really like, is there any for you prescription with food that people 
don't have to tell us exactly what you eat. That's lame. But yeah. <laughs> like, what, what are some rules, like uh, guidelines for you? Yeah, I do not do well when I eat only carbs. So if mm -hmm. I have, uh, you know, like only toast or only pancakes for breakfast, then yeah. I just get that huge insulin response and yep, then that spike plummet. afterward. Yeah. And I have uh, a, like noticeably less mental clarity. Yeah. And then I get hungry uh, two hours later and it just yeah. does not work for me personally. Did I read that you live on a farm? Yep. Uh, Are you growing your own food, Dr. Gillette? We, we have quite a bit of food. Do you really? You really yeah. grow your own, like your farm, full, full-fledged farm? I, I wouldn't call it a full-fledged farm. Um, we have a big garden and we have chickens. And you have two sheepdogs that are, right? Is it a sheepdog that are about, literally could knock me over. They're as tall as me. Yeah, yeah they're huge dogs. They're called wolfhounds. So they, wolfhounds. they keep the chickens safe. Whenever, whenever the wolfhounds have to go away from the house or whenever we take them away, the the chickens have trouble with predators, but they're fine yeah. when the, yep, the, when the, when the shepherd dogs when the wolf dogs are there, the chickens are fine. I just watched that documentary, um, big little farm. Have you ever, have you watched, you've got to watch it. Have you watched it? I will watch it. I have not. Oh, you have to go watch it. If you have a farm, big little farm, but it's basically about this couple that wanted to create a sustainable farm that no pesticides, nothing. And just kind of that getting back to the ecosystem and it's crazy, but they had the same thing where the um, wolves were coming to and eating their chickens. So they had to yep. do the dog thing. And so sounds familiar. It's a fascinating documentary. All right. What's one thing in closing that you just would want people to know as a doctor that you're doing, you know, doing this, this uh, wide spectrum of health, what, what would be something that's really on your heart right now for people to know? Know that there's always hope and know that even if you've been to a dozen different doctors and healthcare professionals, mm -hmm. it's okay to look around. Um, mm -hmm. Some questions are harder than other questions. Mm -hmm. So often people will come there and maybe we're not a good fit. And just like uh, when you're finding a coach for a sport, there's some people who are good fits and some people who are not. Yeah. But it is, if it is a more difficult problem that... Um, you know, those in the healthcare industry have not solved before, yeah. whether it's with your body or your mind or your soul, yeah. do not feel bad at all. And do not feel like a hypercontract or whatnot yeah. looking for that answer. That's good. And if someone, we get this question a lot, how do I, how do they find a functional doctor? How does someone find someone who's practiced more full spectrum medicine? It is a really hard question. Isn't um, it? Huh. Yeah. That, Functional medicine is a very heterogeneous item. So if you look at the social trend in functional medicine, I think the searching has gone up, I want to say by 500%. I think it's oh, a million like percent, yeah. two or three years, which yes, is crazy sir. to think about. But um, not every functional medicine clinic is like. So there's mm. like functional medicine clinics that are um, essentially very similar to conventional clinics. There's ones that are integrated. There's ones that are with academic centers. Mm. And uh, so it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Uh, I guess I don't have a great answer for that question. I'm telling you, you guys need to come up with a role or something like a white page is that something that says, yes, we are. Yes, we've done something that puts you so it's easier to find you because it does feel like it's all scattered about. Yeah. yeah. One yeah. thing that could potentially help is a lot of clinics will say what different pathologies they've worked on. For example, mm -hmm. we do a lot of like 
uh, natural thyroid replacement, or mm -hmm. we do a lot of gut issues or we do autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. So sometimes searching for what you think you might have, or okay. if you know you have that, sometimes okay. that can be a little bit helpful, but yeah, directory is kind of difficult. A lot of individuals will get a fellowship in integrative medicine, which is mm -hmm. a, like a, a fellowship that you do after residency. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of practitioners will also go to IFM, which is Institute of Functional Medicine. Okay. Yeah. Even within those entities, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of homogeneity. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of difficult to, to tell people like where to find someone who is a good fit for them. I'm telling you this to me, if my hand, my son, was thinking about being a doctor for a while, but he switched into statistics. Um, is and but I told him like, Jack, go functional med. Like this is going to be part of medicine. The medicine's really changing. Um, I personally even go to a functional medicine doctor, which often though can we, do you fit in the um, insurance cycle or no? Or the, some places just won't participate in the insurance thing, so it can be more costly. Yeah. Um, I try to choose my words really carefully when I talk about like, you know, like insurance and mm -hmm. different, um, clinic models, mm. but, um, I, for my, for my own clinic for Gillette health, mm -hmm. we do put labs through insurance if we're able to. Yeah. And we also, um, if someone needs a medication prescribed, then that yes. can go through insurance if it's covered through their insurance as well. Yeah. Not too many functional medicine clinics do. Yeah. If a functional medicine clinic is making any significant money off supplements or medications or even diagnostic tests. Mm -hmm. You know, if they, uh, it's, it's not uh, totally evil that they do, but just keep in mind that if they make a huge amount or, mm -hmm. and you don't even have to really know if they make them, just ask mm -hmm. them, like, do I have to use your service for, like, do right. I have to use this specific pharmacy? Do I have to use this specific supplement or lab or whatnot? And the more okay they are with you going um, wherever, if you're able to, in yeah. general, um, they're just not going to have that unconscious bias. Okay. Yeah. I think that's how my doctor works where I pay to see him not covered insurance, but then all my labs and things get paid still worth it. But we're so grateful that I think, I just think medicine's changing and it's fantastic and fascinating at the same time. All right. Before you go, Dr. Kyle Gillette, we want to ask you three rapid fire questions. They're just funsies for our people to know you. Um, what, since you said, what's your favorite movement that's a pastime that's going to last a lifetime? What do you do to move like your body? Pretty much all sports, but especially the social ones. So we like playing in volleyball leagues. I used okay. to play in what I called the uh, old guy church basketball leagues, but <laughs> for now it's pretty much just volleyball. <laughs> volleyball is good. Okay. Awesome. Um, coffee, tea, or kombucha or favorite beverage that you go to got it. Like it kind of makes the day. Yeah. I like, uh, two shots of espresso from the machine in the morning, um, with the, the higher level of caffeine. <laughs> just two though. Turbo speed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, um, your like favorite pair of like athletic wear or shoes that you go to. I like my new balance shoes. I try to get fun, colorful ones. I wear scrubs yeah. a lot in the hospital. So that's, that's how you express yourself. That's right. That's your personality right there. All right, you guys, you can find out more. I just started following him. I'm telling you a great post over at um, Instagram at Kyle Gillette MD, right? That's where you are on Instagram at Kyle yes. Gillette MD. 
And you also have a health center. Oh my goodness. You have a, what's the name of the, the, the practice? It's called Gillette Health. And we're okay. across all platforms uh, okay. at Gillette Health or GilletteHealth.com. So are you over on YouTube as well? Yes, we have a YouTube. I think we've only posted one or two videos, but we do have a YouTube. <laughs> You're and there. And we'll post much more. Okay. And again, I know we've got a lot of audience in Kansas. You're Kansas City or what part of Kansas? Kansas City, Kansas. Well, there you go. There you go. For those of you who've been you're, the Kansas people, you have found a doctor because they, they reach out to us. Where do we find functional doctors? So we are glad to get to know you. And I have a feeling you have a book in you coming, Dr. Kyle Gillette. Do you feel like you're going to write a book someday? I do plan to write a book, if not more. And I plan to do a lot more podcasts as long yeah. as God kind of leads me in that direction. Uh, awesome. Until then, um, I'll do telemedicine and uh, have lots of plans for the future. But at the end of the day, it just kind of depends on where God leads us. Amen. And you do have a podcast right now or you're going to be having one, you think? We have a podcast as well. I think we just posted our first episode on Spotify, but we'll be well, across platforms too. That's so fun. Okay. Revelation Wellness Community, go follow. We love a good doctor who's doing full spectrum and loves the Lord and is going to yield to God's plan. So we are all about that. Thank you for being here, Kyle. We're so glad. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay, friends, we hope you were blessed by this episode with Elisa and Dr. Kyle Gillette. Before you go, don't forget to swipe up on the show notes to get registered for Rev on the Road. We'd love to see your face in Tallahassee, Florida. And as a reminder, registration is still open for Platoon 29. Let us help you get free so that you can help set others free. Swipe up for the link to download a packet today. And as always, thanks for being here. Be sure to follow us and leave us a review. Your kind words help us spread the good news of Jesus. Have a great week, friends. Peace.